0: Do you feel like there's something holding you back from sharing your feelings with your spouse?
1: Do you have things that you want to tell your partner but are afraid of how they will react?
0: Do you struggle to listen to your partner's negative emotions?
1: Do you or your partner get defensive when problems are brought up?
0: If so, get ready. Today's episode is for you. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage?
1: Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration.
0: Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage.
1: Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game.
0: This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it.
1: So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Without trust and commitment, there is no emotional safety. In fact, there's really no relationship at all, Mm-mm. at least not a healthy one. That's because trust and commitment is embedded in every single fiber of your relationship.
0: Yeah. Developing trust and commitment should really be of utmost importance to anyone who wants to develop deep connection, intimacy, and emotional safety. Yes. Couples in a relationship with a really high trust metric, we call it, they've been shown to live significantly longer. In fact, couples, especially the men, are healthier and live about 10 years longer than men who are in low trust metric relationships. That means I'm going to live 10 years longer? I sure hope so. Oh, that's awesome.
1: Well, within a family unit, trust and commitment means your kids do better. Mm -hmm. Research studies using functional MRI technology have shown that couples in emotionally committed relationships actually have a soothing effect on one another's stresses and fears.
0: And all of these amazing benefits are a direct result of being in an emotionally safe relationship.
1: I love that, emotionally safe. And The really big question on everyone's mind is, how do we create emotional safety in relationships?
0: And the answer to that is through trust and commitment.
1: Yep. So let's spend this episode talking about how trust and commitment can build this emotional safety.
0: So imagine, if you will, for just a moment, a plot graph. Remember back to geometry? And on one axis, like say the X axis, you have trust. And on the other axis, Mm the Y axis, you have commitment. And where there is high trust and high commitment, up in that top right-hand corner, that's where you find safety.
1: So on the surface, trust and commitment seem like they're pretty much the same thing. what's the difference? But let's look what trust is, and then we're going to look at what commitment is, and then we're going to figure out how they work hand-in-hand to form this emotional safety in relationships. So let's first start with trust.
0: Okay. So the underlying issue that we see and, you know, and looking at all these different couples that come to us and, you know, really what the underlying issue is behind most conflict is really, can I trust you? Mm-hmm. It's really the the heart of what most couples are often fighting about. So on some level, there's this question of, can I really, really share my needs with you?
1: Can I trust you with my negative emotions, my worries and my fears?
0: Can I trust you to listen without being dismissive or defensive or judgmental?
1: Can I trust you with my secrets? Can I trust you with our finances?
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Can I trust you to come to me and not to someone else when you have a problem with me?
1: Can I trust you to see my perspective or at least view things through my perspective and situations?
0: Right. So there's no question that trust is foundational in every single relationship. And yet... What is so fascinating to me is that in general, most of the Western world is experiencing a major crisis of trust.
1: And not the truth.
0: We don't trust anyone anymore. We don't trust the government. We oh. don't trust religion. Oh. We don't easily trust each other. Not even the people who are closest to us.
1: That's pretty sad, actually.
0: Yeah, for whatever reason, and I'm not exactly sure what the cause is, but most of the West is going through this major insecure attachment era and 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 really what that means is that we just don't feel like we can depend on or trust anyone
1: and this becomes a major problem in relationships because simultaneously the number one reason that people seek out help in their relationship is they're having issues with connection and intimacy so go figure you can't have intimacy and deep connection without trust which is sort of a dilemma if we're unwilling to trust anyone
0: Mm. Yeah, that's quite the pickle. Yeah. So what is trust and how do we get it into our relationship? Let's dig in. So trust is when you and your partner are both thinking of what benefits the two of you. So you're not just thinking about your welfare, but you're thinking about the welfare and what is in the best interest of both of you. Yes. You're thinking about what your needs are, but you're also equally thinking about what your spouse's needs are.
1: That's that's perfect, right? And so when this exists in a relationship, there is a high trust metric. Mm-hmm. And when trust is high, we work together differently. We actually manage conflict differently. Because even when we're disagreeing, we're disagreeing with a friend or someone who has our best interest in mind, rather than disagreeing with an adversary. Those are two separate disagreements.
0: Yeah. And I love that because you're right. When we have trust, it's like, you're not my enemy. You're you're my bestie. And- yeah. We get to work through these things together because we have that trust. Absolutely. Which, you know, of course, naturally means that there's going to be more cooperation. Yes, we're still going to have problems. As we talked about over and over, 69% of conflicts are not, they're perpetual. So we're still going to have problems, but we're able to cooperate and work through those problems rather than getting stuck in gridlock.
1: But if we're trust averse, then how do we move forward in building trust? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, the secret to trust is attuning and listening to each other. But let's break down some do's and don'ts because we always have, a, always have a list of things that you can do.
0: Yeah, it really does come down to our ability to listen. So what we don't do is, number one, when we're building trust, we don't get uncomfortable with our partner's emotions. Ooh, that's a hard one. In, in fact, it's it's interesting because it's exactly the opposite the way couples build trust is by tuning into their partners emotions even their negative emotions you're you're kind of keeping your finger on the pulse of their emotions right so you're tuning in to what they're going through that way if you sense that you know something is off with them you can say hey what's up you know are are you doing alright right now and by doing that it allows us to turn towards our partner and be emotionally available for them, which of course will build trust and emotional safety.
1: I love that term, being emotionally available for them. Mm-hmm. So one of the very best ways to build trust and emotional safety is to actually listen to our partner's negative emotions. When he or she is sad, disappointed, or angry, you're effectively saying, I'm here for you, rather than, you know what, I, I can't handle your problems right now. Mm-hmm. So the other day, actually, Charlotte was... I'm not really sure. Something was just off. And, um, I think she was just feeling a little bit low and, and I noticed it just in, just in her face. I just got a little sad a couple of times. It just, I, you know, probably something I would have missed years ago and probably years ago, I would have just ignored it and just gone on with UBU doing my own thing instead of being, you know, caring for how she felt. But, but I continued to just ask the question. I think I asked her two or three times, like, how are you doing? Like, can I help? And I think that's, that's an example of as we were thinking about this of of ways that we can tune in to our partners even their negative emotions
0: which builds trust. Yeah. So the next don't is we don't get defensive when we're listening and this is this That's is challenging, yeah. you know. Instead what we do is we both mutually listen non-defensively and just take it in. We just be mindful and present and take it in. This is especially important when our partner comes to us about concerns that they have within our relationship.
1: Oh, that's hard. This is the hard part. And that takes a lot of emotional strength to be able to accept feedback in a way where we don't get defensive. When you catch yourself being defensive, remember to pause, try to understand. And instead of getting defensive, say, help me understand where you're coming from or I want to see your perspective, or can you tell me more about your concerns? Mm-hmm. Listening non defensively is what builds this trust metric in relationships.
0: Yep, yeah, builds trust. And so, number three, the third thing we don't do when we're building trust is we don't get locked into our perspectives. Instead, we recognize and remember that no two people will have the same perception of a situation. And so, we are tolerant to multiple different perspectives. We always are going to see the world through different lenses because we're different people.
1: And we we're raised different and we have different experiences. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You don't always have to adopt or even agree with the other person's perspectives, but we must be willing to at least consider their perspectives and that they might have some validity in the conversation.
0: And I think there's a lot of times when, you know, I, I, you say something, and I'm like, you know what, that's a fair point. And I never really thought about it that way. So it's just that openness to to consider an alternative perspective. Right. Number four, we don't dismiss our partner's concerns by making statements like, you know what, that's no big deal. I I don't know why that's such a big deal. Yeah, that's a tough
1: one. The the old adage, right? We must try to walk a mile in their shoes before you can understand what somebody's experiences are. This is what empathy is, to really understand how someone else feels and what they're thinking. We must momentarily suspend our own beliefs, ideas, and feelings and really take on their perspective and really try to understand.
0: Yeah, and and if you don't understand, I think it's perfectly fine to say, "Help me understand." Yeah, you know, like,
1: "Help me understand. I I don't I don't really know, you know, I don't I'm not getting it." But that's okay because be curious
0: in these situations. So, can trust be built in a relationship? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> there is a way to build trust and to systematically do it, and it comes down to this key um element of really being able to listen to each other and that is a skill and it's a skill that anyone can develop and when that skill is developed then trust is back gradually built over time
1: yeah the, the, and it's it's just like a muscle you exercise it mm-hmm. and you and you get stronger and i think this this active listening and suspending your, your beliefs trying to understand is is huge so in your relationship if trust is slipping then we both both of you need to work on the skill of mutually listening to each other. And then trust will then build between you.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. So that's trust. What about commitment? Commitment is putting all your eggs in one basket, right? So to speak, it's the belief and mindset that you're my person. Nobody on this planet can compare to you. You have everything I need. There's no one else out there that's better for me. And really, this truly is a mindset. And there's a lot of people out there that don't have this mindset. They have the exact opposite of this, where they view relationships as transactional, and they think that relationships are fine to come and go, and that they do.
1: Yeah, and that's, you know, and if you want to be all in, you know, it's you're my ride or die. You're my best friend. You're the first call when my day goes good. And you're my first call when the day goes bad. And being committed is 100% all in. I mean, you have to have a positive habit of mine. Cherish what I have with you rather than looking for an upgrade.
0: It's all about that habit of gratitude for what you have rather than nursing a grudge or resenting whatever it is you feel like is missing. And... You know, I think we shared with you on the last episode that, you know, Robert was in a recent accident and it was pretty serious. And and fortunately, it, we had a, a really miraculous outcome. But I, I found myself over the last two weeks since it happened, looking at my life and how my life would not be the same without him. And I'm really lucky. And I, I think that's what it comes down to is realizing I'm so lucky to have him in my life because it was very close to coming out the other way. So being grateful and cherishing what we have is a big part of commitment.
1: Yeah, and I think that is, right? And the truth is you could actually be married for years, have kids, have your lives totally intertwined and still lack a level of commitment. Even in long-term relationships, couples often have a negative habit of mind.
0: They do. Yeah, time doesn't necessarily make our our mindset better. No, right? no, it doesn't. So, to better understand commitment, we can also look at its counterpart, which is betrayal. Carol, uh, there was a woman by the name of Carol Rustbolt. She passed away, but she was a social psychologist who spent her life looking at and defining and studying commitment and studying infidelity and studying betrayal and she's still the only person to this day who's discovered predictors for infidelity and she could actually predict which couples would have affairs. Ooh. And so she, Carol figured out how to measure it, which I think is a really cool thing because if you're able to measure things then you're also able to figure out what the formula is for, be able to, for being able to prevent it, right?
1: Carol Rusbolt's research showed that there's a turning point where couples turn towards betrayal rather than loyalty. And it's the moment they start making negative comparisons like, I can do better than this, or I don't have to put up with this crap. Even if they're only innocently imagining it, it subtly gives us permission to start crossing boundaries.
0: Mm. Yeah, that, you know, it's really all about when things get difficult and, you know, maybe it's a difficult situation, but that's when we really especially need to be mindful do our thoughts lead us to having those thoughts that, you know, I, I can do better than this? I don't need this crap or do we face the problem and have those difficult conversations yeah, and those are hard to have and they are but that's where they find that there's this correlation between infidelity and conflict avoidance you know avoiding conflict avoiding self disclosure avoiding saying what it is that you need is correlated to betrayal because if we don't have these difficult conversations we tend to find someone else to have them with. We tend to nurse a grudge and go share those problems with someone else.
1: Yeah, and it's the one thing, and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, of the, the scariest relationships are, are those individuals and those couples who meet who say, oh, we never fight. Mm. We never have disagreements. And I'm, you know, we're just sort of looking at each other going, well, somebody's not sharing their feelings.
0: And at and, least not with yeah, you.
1: <laughs> with you. And that's a problem. You're going to have disagreements. The truth is, can we develop the emotional the emotional stability, emotional strength, to be able to hear negative things, learn about ourselves, and then act on it. So, we have an example. So, Xander and Lily are young, busy parents, and he'd like to bring up the fact that he needs a little more closeness and a little more sexual intimacy, Mm -hmm. but he's afraid that she will not react well.
0: Yeah, she's gonna get mad.
1: Yeah, so what he wants to say is, this is what he wants to say, hey, you know, we don't spend time talking anymore, and we almost never have sex, and we don't even have time for each other. And the other day at work, I found myself having a great conversation with a co-worker. Uh-oh. And it made me realize how much I missed you and how I want to share with you. And I'd like to
0: change this and make time for each other. Yeah, but since uh, he's conflict avoidant, he doesn't want to bring this up. He doesn't want to make her ba- mad. So he innocently starts to just imagine how nice it is to have this conversation with this other woman and what it might be like to have... Someone else to share these stories with and then then we're then we're on that slippery slope, right?
1: Yeah. And maybe he innocently does and someone listens.
0: Right. You know? And you know, so when you don't go to your partner and share with them what your needs and your concerns are, that is being conflict avoidant. And probably you're doing this because you don't want to make the other person upset or you are just have an aversion to conflict in general, but then there becomes a need still to be able to confide in someone. And that is the turning point the moment where commitment erodes.
1: So commitment is saying, hey, I have this issue. And because you're my ride or die, mm-hmm. you're my world, you're my everything. And because I'm a hundred percent committed to you, I have to bring this issue to you. And I can only bring it to you. So we have to work that out. Yeah. Right. And this is what commitment looks like in a relationship. That's- this is what all in looks like That's in a relationship.
0: It. Yep. We have to be able to have these difficult conversations.
1: So what does it really take to have difficult conversations? Oh, well, trust. Back to trust. Yep, you have to know that your partner's not going to freak out, get defensive, or shut down. You have to know that they will listen non-defensively.
0: So in this way, trust, you know, and commitment go hand in hand in hand, and trust is really a precursor for commitment.
1: So there you have it. Trust and commitment. And the byproduct of trust and commitment is this emotional safety. Trust requires attuning to our partner and listening to their negative emotions, which can be difficult at times.
0: Mm -hmm. Commitment requires self-disclosure. It requires a mindset that your person is everything that you need. And both of these things, trust and commitment, both require 100% of our heart, bringing our fullest expressed self to the table and trusting that are trusting that with with our partner
1: so we want to leave you with a couple of questions today one what did you learn from today's episode Mm. Uh, two can you think of one or two ways where you can increase trust and commitment in your relationship okay three how will you take action on this this week come over and tell us about it on social media We love hearing your stories and and how you're implementing these practical concepts into your relationships.
0: And if you found this episode helpful, please take a moment to leave us a rating and a five star review. Your comments and your ratings really do help the algorithm to suggest our show to other couples, which really aids in our overall mission to provide these free resources to couples out there who really need it.
1: Yes. And thanks for tuning in today. Be kind to each other. Love and take care of each other. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question.
0: Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching.
1: And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advance notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.